Every lady needs a hobby. A Miss Fisher's murder mystery podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. This week we are reviewing season one, episode 13. King Memzi's Curse! <laughs> um, the season finale. Woo! Yeah, it's uh, taken us a long time to get here, but I'm really excited for season two. I am too. <clears throat> I do love many things about season one, but season two is where, where things really start to pick up, so. Yeah, I was actually considering proposing that we um, just adjust the sexual tension meter up to 20, just to prepare us for the extra that we're going to be encountering in season two. No, I don't think we can do that. Okay, you're right. It would um, be against regulation. It would be not statistically sound. Yeah, we need, this is a um, serious data operation where we are tracking these ratings, so we can't just up and, and change the parameters. Right, right. So... Um, so what do you think about this episode? Well, you know, I really like this episode. I was thinking about it, and it gets a little weird, and it's definitely different than the other episodes, but I like it. I like the sort of mysticism and the, like, weird cult overtones. I'm a fan. Um, yeah, I like this episode. Uh, I like the episode before it a lot more, but this one is fine. Uh, yeah, I, I like that there's, I don't feel like there's sexual tension per se, so much as just like, you know, raw emotional feeling. Exactly. Well, yeah. in the scene at the end where Jack, like, Franny has taken the, the whatever potion is passed <laughs> out and Jack is like carrying her out of the dungeon in slow motion. I mean, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff, so I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. And I like that, um, you know, I feel like I was really expecting Murdoch Foyle to be, like, a sexual predator, like, mm -hmm. a pedophile or something, and when that wasn't what he was up to, I was pleasantly surprised, because I feel like all TV is always like, he's a child rapist. Like, that's always, yeah. that's always the explanation. I mean, you don't think there was, like, some element of that? He was, like, literally kidnapping young girls. That's true, but... But then he does have Phryne. He, like, wants Phryne to be his fourth goddess, and she's very clearly an adult woman. So. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I appreciate that, you know? It's like Law & Order SVU prepared me to think that it yeah. was always a pedophile, but it's not, so. Sometimes it's just a weird guy that's obsessed with King Memses. Yeah, must be a 1920s thing. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> All right. So, in the cold open of this episode, we see a an unprotesting man, I have in my notes. His eyes are open and he seems conscious, but he's not moving, as something gets shoved slowly up his nose. Oh, which just, like, makes me cringe. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I was thinking that this is almost really as gruesome as the factory death, which was much more violent, mm -hmm. but this is also just, like, really, uh... Like, well, you graphic. see it happening. Like, it's just yeah. that arrow being, like, or whatever it is. The hook, yeah. It just pushed up all his, nose. his nose. Do you think they used, like, a collapsible nose hook to get that? Like, they were just shoving it in there and it was just collapsing, you know? Like, a, like an I antenna. never thought about that. I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to ask the props team. We would. I, yeah, did not think of that. I think in, in my mind it was really happening and they were actually removing that guy's brain. Which, yeah. You know. Probably wasn't in his contract, so. Yeah. Well, I think it's one of the best deaths uh, in the whole season, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's also like, you know, as we've discussed, there's the, the deaths that are sort of sped up and missing the prolonged death sequence. Whereas this one, it's like, yeah, very clearly you see what's happening. Yeah. And I mean, we don't even see him die. Like, it could be no. hours, you know. It could be hours, but like, you see it happen. How long would it take for someone to die after you were like hooking their, their brain out through their Well, nose? I believe he, he removed the brain entirely. So I think once the brain was removed, he would be dead. How long would that have taken? 
I mean, it had to have been like a quarter teaspoon at a time. I imagined it sort of happening like like it just sort of like came out in one piece. That seems very unrealistic. Like unrolling a ball of yarn? Yeah, you just sort of like pull it out a little bit and then suddenly it just like gloops out. Interesting. Okay. Well, you're not a doctor, so... No, I'm not a doctor! (laughs) Okay, anyway, well, if we have any doctors listening, then uh, give us a holler. Tell us what it would be like to remove someone's brain through their nose. With a small hook. (laughs) So anyway, after this scene, we go back to Miss Fisher's house, and it seems to be what I assume is the morning after the previous episode um, mm-hmm. finished, and Miss Fisher is interrogating Jane at the house about her little coffee date with Murdoch Foyle, mm-hmm. um, and then Bert and Sess, like, show up with the evidence that they've turned up, which is really just a card that Foyle dropped in their cab for an antique shop. Right. I'll also note that in this episode, all throughout, they just double down on the creepy music. Like, literally every scene has some really, like, heavy-handed creepy music. There really is a lot of it. You're right. Every, um, every scene is... Yeah. Just could be the moment where somebody drinks drugged milk. <laughs> uh, and then Mr. B is like, well, Murdoch Foyle seemed really charming. I, I knew there was something wrong, but he was very charming. And I was so high. Yeah, he didn't say that, but we all know. Yeah. Why? Poor Mr. B. Anyway, so Sass and Bert find a card for an antique shop, and Franny looks it up in the phone book. But she also recognizes it as that she recognizes it as the same address of the as the antique shop that he had owned before he went to prison. Yes, which like ha- well, I guess she was kind of like obsessed with Murdoch Foyle. Not obsessed, but like she had definitely been following him. So yeah. So then. Miss Fisher decides to go and investigate the antique shop, and she's taking Dot with her. But well, Bert... Dot insists on coming. That's true, because it might not be safe. Yeah, and I love Dot's initiative in this episode. Well, we saw it in last episode, we saw it, see it again in this episode. Dot is really, like, coming into her own and taking initiative, which I love. She's not just a maid. She's, no, uh... definitely not. She's, like, yeah, clearly Franny's assistant. Yeah. Um, and then Bert and Sess are going to stay back and protect the nest. Also, Franny says, phone Jack to meet us there. Oh, yeah. Yes. The second half of the season, there's a lot of calling the police and by the police. It's always Jack. Oh, yeah. It's always Jack. Yeah. Um, so then uh, they arrive at the shop, and what do they find there but a dead body! Dun-dun! Uh, and there's a gross scene where the dog <sighs> in the shop, like, brings a gnawed-off finger. And, like, I mean, honestly, I think it would be days before the dog gnawed the finger off. Well, so I, I researched this. Okay, and you did. Screwed, screwed up my Google like search results forever by oh, googling like how soon would a dog eat you? That is an incognito Windows search. Yeah, Genevieve. <laughs> I know rookie mistake. I just searched it in my yeah. Anyway, so um, dogs have been documented eating their owners very shortly after they die because they're hungry or because it's their instinct to scavenge. So there's like not a whole lot of research on it, but it is like sort of realistic that he might have started chewing on his owner Gross. pretty soon after he died. I mean, my cat, that's one thing. Like, she already bites mm-hmm. me when I'm alive, and she's always desperate for food. So I could see my cat, like, eating yeah. my face, but a dog, it, I mean... Well, it's kind of a myth that cats would eat you before dogs do, but, like, there's been instances of dogs eating owners, like, almost immediately after they die. Gross. So, Gross. Your pets will eat you, you if you die. You can't trust anyone in this world. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, I researched it. Your dog <laughs> would eat you. But would your horse eat you? I did. That did come up. What about a canary? Your canary would definitely just feed on your, yeah. feed on your corpse. Birds can't feel love. <laughs> um, okay, anyway. So there's also broken glass from a case on the floor of the shop and a dead man in a bathtub. And then I also have in my notes, was a close-up on the severed finger necessary? Yes. I'm going to go strongly with yes. Yeah, I mean, I guess a little gore never hurt anyone. Yeah, and it's not, like, super bloody or anything. It's just, like, you know. Just a nod-off stump. Just a nod-off finger. (laughs) Um, I also like that, like, I think this is the scene where Phryne, like, hands dot her gun. So, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Friday immediately like draws her gun and then realizes she needs to pick the lock because it's like the shop is locked and she just like hands dot her gun and dot is just like holding <laughs> the gun and then Friday like takes it back and like does dot ever at any point shoot the gun there's definitely a scene where she's holding where Mr. Butler this is later on in the series not yeah. super important if you haven't watched the whole series but like where Mr. Butler is like doing an inventory of Friday's weapons and Dot is, like, holding the guns. But I don't know that but we she see never Dot one. shoot the gun. Well, she, I mean, she holds it on Hugh one time. In this episode. Right, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> well, anyway, so when Jack arrives, Miss Fisher immediately insists she knows it was Murdoch mm-hmm. Foyle. And uh, Jack is worried about Foyle returning to their house. But Miss um, Fisher knows that it's safe with Sess and Bert there. Which, so, also, okay, so... Phryne thinks it's foil because Albert Moncton, who is the dead man and the owner of the antique shop, was a character witness at Foyle's trial. Right. Yes. So. That's important. And then I want to note that when Miss Fisher insists that it's safe because Sess and Bert are there, that's an obvious sign that it isn't safe. Oh, yeah. So definitely. we know something's going to go down. I also, I know, like, the sexual tension isn't, like, very direct in this episode, but I find Jack's concern for Phryne's safety, like, really sexy, and maybe that's just me, like, falling <laughs> into, like, gender stereotypes or whatever, but it's, like, so sexy. Yeah. I mean, I like that. I, but like I said, my, I've, you know, I've said many times before, my favorite is just the, like, the, like, fighting to almost kissing <laughs> sort of trope, which... Oh, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Apparently this is a whole genre in fan fiction that people are really into. Yeah. And there's just, like tumblers that are dedicated to finding these things and compiling them. Lists of them. Phantom, what a wonderful world. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for participating, listeners. (laughs) Jack tells Hugh to call the coroner in to investigate the cause of death. Um, And Jack doesn't want Miss Fisher investigating, but for once, it's just because he's worried about her, not because he's annoyed. Again, because I find that sexy. It's sweet. He's, like, looking out for her. Yeah. Um, and then, so Miss Fisher and Dot leave, and on their way out, they discover a photo of Foil and some other people pinned to the door with the gross nose hook from earlier, which they obviously take. And which is obviously a clue! (laughs) (laughs) And more intense music is, like, playing. Yes. Very intense music. Mm -hmm. And then he, like, opens the door and seems, like, really confused. He's like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And Miss Fisher's like, oh, Nothing! Just going home! <laughs> uh, when is he not confused? <laughs> Back at the station, Hugh says that the body that was found in the antique shop is similar to another body that was found last week with blood on the nose, and the coroner thought that other murder was drugs. Well, maybe not murder, but, like, they've been 
Yeah, they thought the cause of death was drugs because of the bloodied nostrils. But there's no evidence of intoxication, and there's abrasion to the inside of both nostrils. Suspicious. Mm -hmm. I also would like to note that Jack says, if Miss Fisher calls, put her through. Again, I find this sexy. I put in my notes, wink. (laughs) Yes, I have, like, so sexy, like, 20 times. Maybe this is just my, I don't know. This this is your episode, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so then, back at Miss Fisher's house, a milkman drives past, which is an obvious foreshadowing of the milk drugging that's about to happen. <laughs> of which there's been heavily foreshadowed. Heavily like, foreshadowed. Last episode. Oh, yeah. Um, Don't drink the milk! <laughs> so, then the whole crew is examining the picture, and they determine that it must be in Egypt, and I'm confused because Sess and Bert are like, oh, it's Egypt. And I'm like, why have they ever been to Egypt? But I think it must be the war. They must yeah, be, yeah, yeah. I think they say something about that. Yeah. Um, and so Miss Fisher thinks that Foyle is baiting her and sends Dot to check the cabinet in the shop to see what mm-hmm. was stolen. And we also learn that Foyle lectured in the Department of Antiquities before the war. All right. A scholar and a gentleman murderer. Yeah, and a serial killer. <laughs> and a psychopath. And... Yeah, Foyle has a lot going on. But not a pedophile, as it turns out. Well, that not that they cover in the show. Yeah. I'm still, I haven't ruled it out, I'm just saying. Um, so, Miss Fisher heads to the morgue, where some bickering ensues, but Jack says that she can stay. Um, also, she just, like, kind of, like, breezes in, and the mortician is, like, just like, what are you doing here? A woman! A woman! And I think it's, it might be the same guy that, like, earlier on in the season was, like, there's never been a woman at the ward before. Yeah. And then I think he's, like, replaced after this. He doesn't really show up yeah, again. Yeah, I don't think we see him again. Very, unfortunately, replace him with Dr. Mac, which is, like, I guess more Dr. Mac, which is nice, but the downside is that she's always wearing that stupid lab coat. Anyway. I want my tweed suits. I know, right? <sighs> also, um, it's just, like, unrealistic that she's, like, a practicing doctor and also a mortician. These are two very different professions. Yeah. Yeah. But she sort of becomes the all-purpose, like, anything medical. Yeah. So then Miss Fisher reveals the disgusting hook she found, uh, which is an embalming tool for removing the brain, as previously established. Also, Jack's deems her his honorary constable in the scene. Ooh, foreshadowing for another fun thing that will mm-hmm. happen. Um, so they gotta check if the brain is there. Better get out the bone saw, ladies and gents. <laughs> As Jax puts it, crack open Mr. Mugden's skull, Mr. Johnson. We'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the antiquity shop, they find that a ring from King Memzi's reign is missing from its container. So they find, like, a little card that says what is in this container, but there's nothing in it. Um, and then there's also a note in the container to my var- darling Vera from Cedric from 1915. Um, and they deduce that this must have been a digger um, in the the excavation that the photo is from of Foyle and his compatriots. Ah, yes. Um, so then back at the morgue, confirmed the brain was removed, and also they find a stone with hieroglyphics on it in the nose, which was also found in the nose of the other dead guy. Um, and both victims had been sedated, but were conscious while their brains were removed, which is gross, but also, I'm not sure, like, could you really determine that? Is that something like, oh yes, the victim was conscious when these nose removal abrasions were, like, occurring. Also, what is this drug? Is it the animal? No. Oh, the 
the lion tranquilizer? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. They don't really say what the drug is that we, I noticed. We never find out. Um, and then Friday also recognizes the other body, which they have right there. And she's like, oh, that man's in this photograph. So then back at City South, we find out that the first victim was a colleague of Foyle's, and then they discuss a missing persons case from someone who escaped Foyle back in the day, Myrtle Hill. Uh, she's called in, and um, she's pretty fight frightened of retribution from Foyle. They also say that the other murder victim worked in the registry office, and I thought it was really funny that they call it Hatch, Match, and Dispatch. Oh, yeah. Which is birth, marriage, and death. That Anyways. is pretty funny. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so he worked in the registry office, but also studied at the university where Foyle used to work. Right. True. And then Friday's like, I'll go to the university, and Jack just seems to have given up on keeping her off the case, <laughs> as he always does. I mean, it's impossible. Um, so we find out that Myrtle Hill was kidnapped by Foyle, who lured her with carnival tickets. Not a candy apple. So that's an interesting twist. I think the candy apple was just for Arthur. I'm just saying, I mean, you know, if it works once, why not do it again? Well, as we discussed last episode, the toffee apples were logistically challenging, so the carnival tickets are way easier to have in your pocket. Yeah, but I mean, not so logistically challenging that he didn't break it back out again a second time, like 20 years later. Three times! You're right, three times. Well. Um, Well, anyway, so he kidnapped her and he drugged her, and then she woke up in a church rescued by some lady with dark wavy hair. Da-dun! It's a clue! A very specific description that, that could be just any woman. That Friday <laughs> figures out immediately. Um, he also, like, he... Well, they actually go to the carnival. And we also... An important thing is that he said... He tells Myrtle, like, in the flashback scene that we get, that his daughter died recently of scarlet fever. Um, and he was going to take her to the carnival for a birthday. And then Myrtle was like, it's my birthday, too. Anyways, that's comes in important later. Right, yeah. He's obsessed with little girls' birthdays. And he told her that she's one of the chosen ones. Um, he takes her back to the shop after they go to the carnival, and then he drugs her with a goblet of wine. The goblets are also important. Right. Um, so then Miss Fisher sets off for the university to get her rocks off. I mean, translated. <laughs> uh, where she meets a professor who uh, calls her a lady detective, so you already know he's going to be a prick. Henry Rhodes, Professor of Antiquities. Right. Probably Professor of Antiquities is how you know he's going to be a prick. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I would like to note that she does not even bother to tell him that those rocks have been up noses before he just gets them out and touches them. So that's gross. (laughs) I mean, rude. (laughs) I mean, is it though? Who knows? He deserves it. He wants her to leave the rocks with him so that he can date them appropriately. And then she chooses this moment to confront him with the photo that she found that he is present in. Yes. And he knew Foyle when he was a student, and he hasn't heard from him in years! <laughs> and there's also a woman in the photo, um, Teresa Cavalli, who was allegedly Foyle's lover. <laughs> she was Murdoch's favorite in more ways than were appropriate. Oh, gross. <laughs> um, also, we learned that James Waters is in the photo. Who I think is the other murder victim. Right. So that's right. confirmed. So they're all in there. Who could be next? Um, and then Friday tells him that Albert and James are dead. So then back at the house, Miss Fisher thinks Teresa Cavalli from the photograph could be the wavy-haired savior of Myrtle Hill, which is important because there can't be too many characters in any one episode. You know, you got to condense them. <laughs> I also, I have in 
my notes in all caps, HOW CONVENIENT! Like, <laughs> like, it literally could have been anyone that saw this little girl being drugged. Yeah. It could have been anyone. Also, like, it was a black and white photograph, so, I mean, she could have been, she could have had red hair, you know, and you wouldn't have been able to tell. Yeah. So, anyway. Although, I mean, maybe Franny is just a way better, well, Franny is definitely a way better investigator than I would be, because I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Whereas Franny's like, oh, maybe it's, you know, Teresa Cavalli, and it ends up that she was, like, going to the shop to talk to Elbert about Murdoch Foyle, or to talk to Foyle. Yeah. Well, you know... I mean, I'm a pretty good investigator. Like, I've solved all kinds of mysteries of, like, who finished the cheese? But isn't that always Dan? my Always my husband? Yeah. Yes. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, I can tell, like, if there are fork tracks running through the peanut butter, like, <laughs> who could it have been? These mysteries all relate to my husband finishing my food. Um, oh, I was just going to say, Don and Bert then come back from the shop and tell Friday about the missing ring from the little case. Right. Yes. I also like that Bert refers to Murdoch Foyle as this foil bloke. <laughs> oh, Bert. Um, so then back at City South, we confirm that Teresa saved Myrtle, and Myrtle's pretty spooked, so Miss Fisher offers to pay her train fare out of town. Which is really nice. Yeah, it's a pretty nice thing to do. And then that's kind of the last we see or hear from her. And Jack also tells Friday that Teresa was Catholic, and that the church that Myrtle was found at... Um, was within walking distance from Richmond Police Station. Hmm. And then Jack asks Hugh for a ream of butcher paper. Oh, what could it be? Are they going to take notes at a team-building exercise for all staff? Yes. Uh, so Dot and Miss Fisher then set off to the church where Myrtle was presumably left, and then Miss Fisher is predictably rude to the Catholic priest, who recognizes Dot somehow, because, like, all Catholics know each other, I guess. Also, Friday's like, the church is called Our Lady of Sorrows, and Friday's like, oh, I bet that draws a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and then she calls for Father O'Leary, and she's like, it's an emergency! And he's like, do you need an urgent confession? And she says... No, my sins are too many and varied to mention, and frankly, I plan to continue sinning, so I won't waste your time. <laughs> Could someone put that on a t-shirt, please? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, then we find out from the priest that Foyle called, or somebody, presumably Foyle, called looking for Teresa, and the priest put him off, so like... You know, he's a good guy. Well, yeah, he claimed to be Teresa's brother, and the priest was like, but I knew that she only had sisters. <laughs> oh. Uh, and then he reveals that Teresa is a nun now, so they go to question her. And she she's conveniently just, just across the road. Just across the way in her little nun's habit. And then creepy music plays as they head to the convent, and I feel like the implication is that, like, Foyle is watching them? Yeah. That, that must be it, because then, yeah. Um, so then also, uh, we just have a quick zip back to City South where Jack is using the butcher paper to make, like, a classic murder mystery <laughs> wall of clues. Um, they're looking up all of the disappearances of yep. young girls during a certain time period. I, again, find this very sexy. Jack's just, like, working really hard. Yeah, he's trying to solve a conspiracy for the woman he loves. So... Teresa says that everything went sour after their trip to Egypt, and Foyle developed some kind of obsession with Memzi's tomb, which my notes app has autocorrected to Memes Tomb, which sounds, <laughs> memes a, tomb. sounds a lot more fun, honestly. Um, also, I looked up King Memzi's. I don't think he's real, so he might as well be King Memes. <laughs> well, Foyle thinks he's King Memes reincarnated. 
Uh, and he needs four maidens for the afterlife or something like that. Some weird shit. Also, they, like, seal the grave up and they're all sworn to secrecy and uh, they're going to return after the war. Um, so then we find out, yes, Teresa Foyle drugging the girl, rescued her, um, and then sent... She's the one who sent the anonymous letter to the police about Foyle, which is how he was imprisoned. Yeah. We also discover... This is, like, tangentially important. It's not super important, but they took... So they seal up the tomb and then they take two goblets to prove their discovery. And these are the goblets that we see Foyle using throughout the episode to, like, administer the drugs. Right. Um, that's important, and I definitely sort of ignored all these details in the hopes that you would have a much better yeah, idea yeah, about Yeah, well, I did. You never let me down. <laughs> um, she also reveals that she's the one who stole the ring from the antique shop so that she could put a stop to Foyle's madness. And Miss Fisher warns her that she could be the next victim and tells her that she needs to get the hell out of Dodge. So, why did she steal the ring? Because Foyle thinks he needs it for his, like, weird experience. Oh, right. And then also, yeah, this is where we see... This is where we see Foyle or, you know, an, an unnamed person peering out of the bushes to mm-hmm. indicate that this conversation is being watched. So, like, you know that Teresa is going to be dead, dead, dead. She's definitely going to be dead. Back at City South, the clue wall continues to be built. And at Miss Fisher's, the milk is being cracked open. <laughs> Um, Miss Fisher says to lock all of the doors and windows and to stay in all day, but as Dot pours that milk out, we all know it's not going to do any good. The danger is in the milk! (laughs) (laughs) Um, No one is safe! (laughs) Don't drink the milk! (laughs) Oh, it's too late. It's too late. Oh, And then Phryne... Heads to the university. You might have already said this, but she heads back to the university and again leaves Sass and Bert with security detail. And the ominous music plays, and we all know something terrible is going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Miss Fisher goes back to the university to show Rhodes the ring, um, and he explains some ancient Egypt shit about the four goddesses and writing down a king's name or something. I don't really know. Okay, well, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So, Foyle had wanted to get a team together to return to Luxor and retrieve the mummy, so, like, King Memzi's body. And the Egyptians believed that if your name was written down, it assured you made it to the afterlife. And that the four goddesses protected you. So, like, the the ring has the name on it. Oh, right. It's, like, inside of it, right? It's, yeah, like, written so it's on like, it and slipped yeah, inside. Exactly. So, that was kind of the... Anyways, and Foyle thought he was the... King Memses reincarnated, so, like, that was his name. Um, and then most sarcophagi have the four goddesses wrapping the rings, their wings, around the casket. Um, and then he also gives her the translations of the hieroglyphics on the, the nose stones. <laughs> the first means to get, to dedicate, and the second means the girl child, or daughter. And then Friday freaks out. Oh, yeah, because she's like, oh, no, he's at the house. Which, of course, like, I don't know how she figured Anyways, she well, figured it out. It's her the, spidey sense. From the translation of the hieroglyphics. Yeah. So she calls, and obviously no one answers, because they're all drugged on the nose hook and drug. And the milk drips ominously. And everyone's just lying there unconscious. Yeah, but they're conscious. And it's like a special drug that works on every part of your body except your eyes, because their eyes are all moving around. And I do want to note that I think Dot, well, the actress who plays Dot, is the best at looking terrified just with her eyes. Oh, yeah. No, she's perfect. She's much better at it than the others, yeah. And then Foyle arrives, and he carries Jane off. And then Miss Fisher comes back and panics. 
Of course. Yeah. And then Foil just kind of, like, walks around whistling. I mean, that's a classic... Which is, like, so, psych- so obnoxious. Classic psychopath move. Um, so then Jack, like, really goes to bat to find Jane, but they have no idea where she is. Um, and Franny's absolutely distraught. Yeah. And just then a call comes in from Our Lady of Sorrow to reveal that Teresa Cavalli did not make the escape, and she got the old nose hook. But also was, she like... She got st- the nose hook! <laughs> but she also was, like, strangled, I think? Well, how did... Wait, she was? Yeah, because they reveal that she was, like, strangled as well as nose hooked? I don't remember that. Well, She's, like, laying in the church in a very, like, Christ-like pose. Yeah, but I think she also has a rope around her neck. Ugh. You know what? It's not very important, though. I don't think this is revisited. It's not. The, the important thing is the, the nose hook. Yeah. Um... And then there's also, now they start interspersing, like, shots of Egyptian statues, which, like, is a little stupid, but I also just love it. Like, Yeah. I mean, I think, like, Egypt mania was pretty big in the 20s, right? It was a whole thing. Um, And then I want to note that Jack's clue wall is very crazed genius. There's just, like, some, some aspects of, like, all the classic crime shows. Oh, yeah, which I love. Um, and he can't find any similarities between all these missing girls that he's tracking on the walls. But, of course, Miss Fisher realizes that it's the 21st December birthday. The same yes, as hers. Yes, they all have the same birthday. Yes. And then, um, Janie's birthday wasn't December 21st. It was September 21st because Friday's dad was, like, drunk when he wrote, when he filled out the birth certificate. Which doesn't make sense because I don't know why... The doctor wouldn't have been filling out the birth certificate. Yeah, also, like, it's pretty tricky. I mean, even if you're really drunk, to think that it's December in September. Yeah. Um, and then also, I don't know how Foyle figured that out. This is my main question about the episode. Because, like, how did he know? Because then Friday's like, he's after me instead of Janie. Yeah. But I'm like, he already killed Janie. Like... How does he know that her birthday was in September? Like, did she tell him? Maybe she told him. I guess that makes sense. Uh, so then, um, Jack, like, muscles Miss Fisher into a holding cell to keep her safe, since Foyle's obviously after her, and he, like, just, I think, Hugh picks her right up, which is pretty funny. Yep, and, well, (laughs) she kicks Jack in the knee, and he charges her with assaulting a police cell officer and withholding evidence because she tells him about the ring right before this. Oh, yeah. Charges which are presumably later dropped. Yeah, they don't cover that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Miss Fisher has those on her record permanently. Yeah. Well, I'd also like to note that he calls her Franny in this scene. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, again, his, he's just, like, so concerned for her. Yes, he is. Um, so then... Uh, Miss Fisher enlists Dot to break her out when she realizes that Rhodes is actually probably a threat to Jack. Um, and Dot does this by pulling Miss Fisher's gun on Hugh, which is somehow just sitting in an unlocked drawer. Um, oh, wait. So first, sorry, before we get to that, which we need to cover in detail. So Miss Fisher <laughs> figures this out because she's like, he has to go after Rhodes eventually. We just have to wait. And then she's like, wait, someone told Foyle about the ring being stolen from the antique shop while he was in prison. So, like, right. he knew that the ring was out there, which is why he's kind of, like, going after Teresa. Well, kind of why he's... I think is he finds out that the ring is missing and he goes after everyone because they weren't supposed to take anything from the tomb except the goblets. Right. Um, so, then that's, this is when Miss Fisher figures out that Rhodes is in on it. As usual, thank God you're paying attention. <laughs> I do my best. 
So then this is when Dot pulls the gun on Hugh in order to break Miss Fisher out. And this is just a hilarious sequence. Which, so which ends in them locking Hugh in the cell. Yes. Which is just another classic Hugh, like... Yeah, I don't know. He's just like... It's very sweet. And then I have in my notes that I imagine they re- revisit this later. Uh, Hugh, and, Hugh and Dot as some sort of kinky sex play. <laughs> Yeah, pretend you're holding the gun on me, Dottie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, so Jack has, in fact, gone to see Rhodes, who says the ring is just downstairs in the creepy basement. What a coincidence. He just needs to put it into custody. It's downstairs. And then eerie music plays. Like, it's really? a trap. Ah! It's a trap, Jack. And Rhodes looks very suspicious, and more Egyptian statue images flash across the screen. <laughs> And then Foyle whacks him across the back of the head and sticks him into a locked room with Janie. Yep. And Rhodes is, like, showing Jack the goblets. Ugh, what a scumbag. Ugh. Anyways. Um, so then Miss Fisher arrives just a step behind, breaks into Rhodes' office, and then stalks down to the basement where she finds Foyle, who does a little slow clap. Yeah, <laughs> Foyle comes out doing obnoxious claps, like... And you just want to smack him in the face. Classic slow clap. It reminds me of the little bow that Bradford does. Yes. <laughs> Which is just, oh, God, I love it. You found me out. Someone oh. appreciates my plot. Maybe Bradford and Foyle will become friends in prison. Actually, we don't want them to become friends. Because uh, at the end of this episode, Foyle just gets put back in prison. Which, like, he escaped before. That's true. Or well, do you think he gets hung? I think probably they eventually hang him, but yeah. they can't just, like, do it right away. Yeah, I know. that's true. Um, so then he reveals that he has Jack and Jane held hostage, and so she gives up her gun no problem and offers to sacrifice herself to save them. Well, for, Foyle says, kill me now, but you will never see your daughter or your policeman alive. Your policeman? <laughs> and then he takes her to a chamber where... Rhodes and Foyle are preparing a weird ritual. Like, there's candles burning. There's always candles burning if it's a ritual. And then she starts asking Foyle about his, like, strategy and his methods. And as always, always in the show, the criminal just, like, blabs away and tells her everything. Of course. He just wants appreciation for his plot. Uh, And if it wasn't for you meddling kids, he would have gotten away with it, too. (laughs) Um, Also, wait, have I? I don't know if I've talked talked about this already, but in these shows, the criminals always, like, blab away when they're being interrogated. Yeah. That is a thing. Like, if if you are trained in interrogation and you're asking someone, they will, like, confess. Really? If you're doing a really good job, yeah. Really? Yeah. So if, like, you're interrogating someone, like, a lot of times people will confess because they, like, realize that, like... I don't know. It's just but like they're caught, do. yeah, and they just want to tell someone, yeah, because it's exactly. cathartic. Because it's like better than like keeping it like a guilty conscience. I guess it feels good to confess yeah, here. Exactly, your shame. Anyways, so that is I. I have always thought that that's not realistic, but it is sort of realistic. You're revealing police secrets. I don't think it's it's really secret. <laughs> Um, so, like, in this scene, I'm just kind of wondering, like, why can't you find a different girl with the same birthday? Like, why does it have to be Miss Fisher? Would it be way easier to just get some carnival tickets and kidnap another child instead of this plucky lady detective with a gun? Well, I think at this point, like, this whole season has been working up to Miss Fisher and Murdoch Foyle are sort of, like, arch enemies. And I think for both of them, it's become a little bit of an obsession. Right. And I think that's for him as well. Like, he feels like he has to get Miss Fisher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. 
Seems mighty convenient for building a plot around. Yeah. So anyways, in Foyle's blabbing, he reveals that his student worked at the registry office, which is how he found his victims, because he'd, like, figure out their birthdays. Um, and then he killed that guy because he betrayed him, um, presumably by, ta- like, talking, I don't know, by being a normal person and, like, okay. saying, hey, this guy is fucking weird. Well, I wrote down that it, because, well, he, um, Moncton was a witness for the defense, a character witness for the mm-hmm. defense. So I don't see how anyone really betrayed him except for Teresa, who betrayed him to the police. But the other people didn't really do anything. I know, that's what I don't understand. It doesn't really make sense. I think Foyle just got really paranoid because he found out that the ring had been stolen and he didn't really know who to trust anymore. And then Myrtle Hill, I think he just like... Yeah. Freaked out. He probably has a fetish for nose hooks anyway. Well, he clearly has a nose hook fetish. Yeah. Um, Also note in this scene, he's wearing the stirrup ring. Ah, yes. And then he's like, they will all serve me faithfully again in the afterlife. (laughs) Right, sure. Um, And then, like, Rhodes also confesses to being his accomplice and has just, like, a super lame justification, which I think basically amounts to, like, he would have done it anyway. It doesn't make any sense. No, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Um, um, and then Jack and Jane, meanwhile, are trying to escape, and they're stuck in a room with a mummy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which, like, freaks Jane out. Oh, also, I want to note that in the room where Jack and Jane are being held prisoner, Jack looks, like, delightfully disheveled. Oh, his hair is all, all must. Oh, yeah. You don't have to get to see him with his hair must. But, you know, oh. twice in a row. Two disheveled oh. Jack episodes in a row. I'm just, I'm not complaining. Like, I love Jack all put together, too. Like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But. Both ways. Both ways. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so Jack says they need some leverage, uh, something to pry the door open with. And Jane makes the absolutely <laughs> ridiculous suggestion that they look in the mummy's wrappings. I mean, what the fuck? Like, like, sometimes pharaohs are buried with amulets, but I think it's because Jane is just sort of, like, intrigued by mummies and wants to see what is inside the wrappings, so she's just like, oh. Yeah. Or they just want to make her seem smart, but they just, I mean. And they just start tearing apart the mummy, which seems like, I don't know. Also, like, I mean, isn't a mummy, like, a thousand years old? I, I don't understand how anything that was wrapped in a mummy's, like, wrappings could possibly be used to pry open a door. Because it was metal. Yeah, but that stuff doesn't it. Sort of doesn't de- like mold. But does it degrade and corrode? I don't. Know. I don't, I don't know. Well, they find some kind of statue of Isis and decide to use that. Um, also, it's like Jane's like, "Oh, it's Isis. It's the protector of children." And Jack is like, "Perfect." And I was like, "Really, Jack? Just like get to work here." <laughs> <laughs> also, like I want to know, like, was there really no other way for Miss Fisher to spring Jack and Jane than to sacrifice herself? Like, could she call for some backup? Could she send Hugh in? Like, did she have to literally sacrifice herself? Well, I think, like I said. She's just become obsessed with that. And I think in her mind, like, that was what she had to do. I guess so. And I don't think she, like, in the last few episodes, I don't think she's quite as sharp as she is. Yeah. Always. Like, yeah. Um, well, so Foyle reveals to her where he buried his her sister Janie, and then she drinks the drug from the goblet that Foyle's trying to give her. I, I have, Foyle's preparing a creepy suicide drink. He'll <laughs> <laughs> take them all to the afterlife. Yeah, that's what they all say. That's yeah. what they all say. You don't drink that. But Frankie drinks it. Yeah. So then Foyle um, and Rhodes get in a little scuffle because Franny's baiting Rhodes about the fact that, like, I think he thought he was going to survive. And Foyle's like, no, mm. fool, you're going first. No. So they get in a little fight. Um, and then Jack to the rescue. 
And he's just, like, frinying left and right. He's saying her name. Oh, yeah. Like, in this, all the professionalism is broke down, and he's just, like, so worried about her, and... Oh, yeah. And in the ensuing scuffle, Foyle gets shot, and um, Miss Fisher threatens him with jail again before she succumbs to the drug and is scooped up dramatically by Jack. (gasps) (gasps) And then we get the slow-mo running scene of Jack carrying Friday out of the dungeon. Friday! It's not really a dungeon. It's like a college storage room, which is a little different. Like... I'd love to explore it. It seems like it's full of cool Egyptian artifacts. Yeah, definitely. Um... Let's see. I feel like, so at this, also, when Friday is sort of getting the last minute confession out of foil, so he specifies that Jamie is buried in a field of reeds, and all of his goddesses were buried in the weeping willows at the head of a river, which comes into play later, because they actually do find Jamie's body based on this description, which seems like a little bit of a stretch. a little heavy, yeah, I'm but. not... And then, and then Foyle gets all tender and is like, you'll be buried with your sister. And I'm like, oh, this guy. Yeah. What a dick. <sighs> Anyways. So then, yeah, they find the body in the next scene. They're exhuming her body. Um, and Miss Fisher is, like, standing by a ribbon at the ready and enjoys some Janie reminisces before mm-hmm. she just totally breaks down in tears. Jack's holding her hand. Yeah. Um, and I don't really think this is sexual tension, but I'll take it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, like, kind of sweet. Yeah. Also, like, this flashback of them, like, playing at, like, in a tub and pretending it's a sailboat. And, like, me and my siblings definitely did that. We had, like, this pallet out in the yard where we <laughs> hung, like, a mattress pad up as a sail. And we had a globe and we'd spin it and then just, like, stop it and be like, that's where we're sailing to. <laughs> it was the best game. Um, yeah, your childhood was Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, but, well, we also had a covered wagon. Oh, my that God. That we made with, like, some folding chairs and, like, a bed sheet. A covered wagon. And then we had a little rocking horse that would pull it. Pull the wagon. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't let your kids watch TV, listeners. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Foyle is put back in prison where he belongs. Yeah. Slash dead. Yeah. Uh, so then back at Miss Fisher's house, she's wearing an evening dress, and Jack is having her sign a witness statement. Um, we also find out Janie's being buried in the family plot. Thanks to Aunt Prudence. Yes. And Jack thinks she should keep living to the hilt, which she obviously already is, so that seems unnecessary for him to mention. And a meaningful look ensues. (laughs) Oh, to the hilt, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think you know what I mean. (laughs) So... Um, so we find out it's her birthday party, and she grabs his hand and asks him to stay, which he does, but he sort of watches from the door, which I think is very symbolic. It's sort of a symbolic move. Like, he's there for the party, but he's not ready to step into the room yet. No, He's just watching her dancing. He's not, like, dancing with her. Yes. And then I just think there's a lot of great shots of, like, Sess and Mac are dancing. Yeah. (laughs) Janie and Dot. Hugh all by himself. I know, yeah. Also, I'll note that Jane is wearing her Queen of the Flowers dress. I also have that yes. in my notes, yeah. Um, and then Franny and Jack share a meaningful look from across the room. And then Miss Fisher dances the night away in her very long shawl. It's, like, it's excessively long. Like, I would definitely trip over that. Yeah. I could not. I yeah. couldn't do it. With, like, but. a fur trim. That's this episode. And that's the season. Oh, my gosh. Wow. All right. Well, do you want the murder recap? I do want the murder recap. 
All right, so Murdoch Foyle, criminal mastermind and obsessed delusional, believes that he was the reincarnation of King Memses because they had the same birthday, which, like, let's just take a moment. <laughs> I think, like, say you had the same birthday as, as someone in the past. Would you think that that meant that you were a reincarnation of them? Yeah, my ninth grade English teacher, Mr. Aitken, and I have the same birthday. and we're, so uh, Is he dead? Uh, not that I know of. But when he dies, you will be his reincarnation. Oh my gosh, weird. Yeah, you'll just become him. (laughs) Anyways. So, in 1915, Murdoch Foyle organized a dig to King Memzi's tomb with three of his students, Albert Monckton, James Waters, Teresa Cavalli, and Henry Rhodes. Four of his students. Were women allowed to be archaeological students in the 1910s? Apparently, Teresa Cavalli was. Um, So they discovered the tomb take two goblets to prove their discovery, and then promise to tell no one about it. And they're going to come back after the war. However, Foyle never organizes the trip because he gets fired for being a weirdo (laughs) and arrested for abducting Myrtle Hill. So, like, he really just shot himself in the foot on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Myrtle was drugged by Foyle in his antique shop. Teresa saw it happen, rescues her, and leaves her at the church writes an anonymous letter to the police implicating Foyle, which is how he ends up in prison. However, prior to that, he's abducted three other girls who all have birthdays on December 21st, his birthday, and King Memzi's birthday. He's convinced that he needs four goddesses to take him into the afterlife, and has used his connection to the registry office to ID these girls, which is very creepy. Like, I know you're all like, he's not a pedophile, but like, that is really creepy. Yeah, Anyways. but he was only interested in them so that they could be his servants in the afterlife. and That's you know. really creepy. Yeah, I guess it is creepy. Anyways, so then he breaks out of prison, as detailed in the last episode, and starts after Phryne to secure her as his fourth goddess, because he had figured out somehow that Janie's birthday was not actually December 21st. So then he starts killing the students that went on the trip with him with an embalming arrow, um, for betraying him, because one of them has stolen the ring, reported him to the police, also he's crazy, um, he poisons the milk to kidnap Jane and lure Phryne into his weird suicide plot, um, Rhodes is in on it the whole time, and has been helping Foyle, but really just wants him dead so that he can claim the glory of discovering King Mamsie's tomb, so. Possibly the most ridiculous part is that Rhodes just went along with all of it. Yeah, it's like... I think Rhodes is probably a little crazy and, like, a little convinced that, like... Oh, yeah. Foyle was actually King Menzies' incarnation. why wouldn't he just, you know, reveal the discovery? Like, why wouldn't he just... Instead of going along with Murdoch Foyle, why wouldn't he just be like, Hey, we discovered this tomb, and, like, we don't need to murder anyone to reveal it. Yeah, also, like, well, Foyle was in prison for abducting a girl which had nothing to do with King Menzies' tomb. Why didn't he just say, Oh, hey, by the way, we discovered this, and we were, like, gonna go back, but because of the war, we never... Anyways, I think Rhodes is, like, a little bought into the reincarnation suicide yeah. plot. Yeah. And was just kind of, like, hedging his bets. Like, well, if I don't feel like doing it at the last minute, I'll just claim all the glory. Yeah. Well, once again, if you examine too closely an aspect of a murder mystery plot line... No, no, no. This all holds together. <laughs> as long as you're okay with narrative tension being the explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it always is. All right, well, excellent recap. Um, what did you have for worst outfit of the week? Um, I had Foyle's weird safari outfit. <laughs> he has sort of this, like, linen suit on. It's just like, Ugh. Yeah, yeah. For a serial killer, it's not the creepiest outfit, you know? 
Never trust a man in a safari suit. That's what I say. Yeah, never trust a man in a khaki sweater. Oh, yeah. Definitely. What did you have? Um, I actually just don't love the sort of beige jacket and greenish top that Miss Fisher has on for most of the episode, mm-hmm. like most of the second half. But I do think overall it's a pretty good episode for dress. Yeah, it was it was pretty solid. Um, yeah, I think uh, the the party, especially at the end, showcases a lot of good stuff. Um, Hugh out of uniform, a rare sight. Ooh, I yeah. Know. Oh, he looks so nice. He in, does. Like, not the constable's uniform. Yeah. Just that that suit and tie. Yeah, I've actually got that as my best for the week. Yeah, I have my best outfit is Doctor Max party outfit. Oh, that was um, a second. That was a second yeah. best for me. We only get a glimpse of it, but she's wearing like heels with her standard suit, and it's a really good look. Oh man, Mac. Uh, so what did you have for murder method? I had ten, just because I love all the weird, like <laughs> the weirdness and like I don't know, dragging someone's brain out of their head through their nose while they're drugged seems like. I don't know, it's very creative and resourceful and interesting, and you don't see it every day. You don't see it any day, frankly, unless you're living in ancient Egypt. Yeah, also I think in ancient Egypt they were already dead when they were doing that, so I don't know if anyone's actually ever been murdered this way. Yeah, well I give it a 17. Um, You know, obviously (laughs) it took a tremendous amount of tenacity to just keep dragging that nose out, that brain out through the nose. Also, like... There's no, you know, there's no real reason for it ever established. We never find out why he felt this was necessary. Yeah, um, no, they don't go into that at all. It's almost like he needed the brains for his ritual, but they don't actually say that. Just not established, yeah. Nope. Maybe he ate the brains. Oh my gosh. Sounds of the Lamb style. Yeah. Did he eat the brains? I never I saw that know. movie. Um, <laughs> also, I think that would give you parasites. Like, I actually think you're not supposed to eat human brain. Brain parasites. Yeah. Yeah. Best week. What did you have for best week? I actually put Miss Fisher, um, who first rescues and then gets rescued by a disheveled but dashing Jack. <sighs> the disheveled hair. Mm. Yes. Um, I have Dot for best week because Ooh. she, once again, shows a lot of initiative, like holds Hugh at gunpoint to get what she wants. That's true. She does do that. Um, and she's really integral in solving the crime. So, yes. I think she's really stepping up. Um, what about worst week? Um, basically everyone whose brains were hooked out through their noses while <laughs> conscious. That's what I had. So, like, three people. <laughs> yeah, no, that would, that would be horrible. That would ruin your week. Do you think, like, as your brain, so you're conscious and your brain is being removed, do you, like, slowly lose, like, different pieces of your, your thought at, at once? Like, suddenly you lose, like, the fact that you're being murdered and then you just don't think about it anymore. You and have to you wonder. Lose, like, you have to wonder. You, you lose your memory of what you ate for lunch. And that's, like, the next thing that gets hooked out of your brain. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to do further research on this. Definitely. And that's an incognito mo- mode search, just to to. Reiterate. Yeah, well, I already <laughs> ruined all of my Google results forever by searching, how soon will your dog eat you if you're dead? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, well, for worst week, I had foil, because he's foiled again. <laughs> His attempt to be transported to the afterlife. I don't know. I feel like he had some pretty good ideas about being transported to the afterlife by four goddesses. And he just, he never, like, there's almost part of me that was, like, rooting for him to to get everything in place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, too, honestly, a little bit. Because it's like, you do all this work, all this setup 
for, yeah. you know, an eternal life, and then it's just foiled at the last second by a meddling mm-hmm. lady detective, that's a tough break. It is. And, like, I feel like there's a part of me that, like, I like to watch, like, movies about cults, like, documentaries about cults, and there's always a part of me that's like, yeah, but what if it was real? And, like, actually, the crazy cult leader was right. Anyways. Yeah. Well, the rapture didn't happen, so... No, I ultimately, I think Foyle was crazy and a murder, a serial killer. So. Well, we'll never know because he wasn't allowed to carry out his, carry out his dark ritual. I know. All right, new skill. Um, sacrificial lamb. What? Sacrificial oh. lamb. <laughs> Is that a skill? Well, she's, you know, she sacrificed herself. I actually just didn't think she had a ton of skills this week, but maybe yeah. I missed something. What did you have? I had knowledge of Egyptian embalming techniques. Well, that actually does seem important. She, yeah. she's like, immediately knows what the hook was for, which... She's like, oh, a brain hook. I've seen these before. Yeah, and I'm like, how? You knew that? Anyways. All right, sexual tension. I had a six. Some definite hand-holding. And a smoldering glance at the end. Oh, yes. But mostly it was, like, tied up in solving the crime and banishing Franny's arch enemy, so. Yeah. Not, like, super high in the sexual tension, but. I mean, I think there's a lot of affection and love being demonstrated here, but by definition, that is not sexual tension. No. Because it's tense when you don't want to say how you feel, and instead you'd prefer to just get mm-hmm. your faces really close together <laughs> and maybe maybe bicker, <laughs> make innuendos, and just generally, like, accidentally right, right, touch right, right. hands, but on purpose. Um, so, yeah, I put eight for some reason, but I'm going to actually downgrade it to a five. Um, mm. yeah. Cause like, there's clearly, there's clearly some emotion, but there's not really any of the sexual static charge that we all create. Right, right, right. Yeah. But it's all right. Can't go on forever. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, ultimately I like this episode. Like I said, I find Jack's like sort of protection, protection and like crime solving. Like he's just goes after it. I find that kind of sexy, but it's not really sexual tension between him and Friday. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps us up for this episode, um, and we are going to take a little break before we start season two, mm-hmm. so um, just a short one. We will pick that back up in the new year, so yeah. you won't have long to wait. Um, so yeah, we'll be back with season two, episode one, Murder Most Scandalous, um, in January, and we will keep posting on social media, so be sure to follow us um, on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, you can message us on our website or at everyladyneedsahobby at gmail.com. And everyone have a really happy holiday season. Yeah. And if you like the podcast, please uh, subscribe and rate us on iTunes. She would have immediately been like, oh, well, this was Teresa giving us a popcorn maker. This popcorn maker was only produced in the Maldives in the 1970s. It must be a clue. <laughs> 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 <laughs>